Hello and welcome to Music's Elite Seat episode 10. In today's episode I speak with Enrique de Almeida. This is an extremely exciting guest as it's our first full-time educator and not just any ordinary educator. Enrique has been a professor of drums and percussion at Berklee College of Music for the previous 10 years. Berkeley is located in Boston and is considered to be the best contemporary music school on the planet, which makes Enrique one of the best educators on the planet. Not only is he one of the best teachers on the planet, but he's also a world-class performing musician with an incredible background, which we go into in the podcast. He's played some of the world's best jazz gigs in the best locations, and I catch up with Enrique from Wales whilst he's at his new drum school in Colorado. We go in depth about his new drum school, Berkeley, his teachers throughout his life, and his advice for drum teachers and students, and a lot, lot more. I would love to give a massive shout out to Erica de Almeida for setting all of this up, and to Enrique for your invaluable time, insights, and energy. I absolutely love this chat, as you'll probably be able to tell. And I also tell the story about how Enrique and I actually met in real life at Berkeley uh, five-week program in 2015, which was such a great time of my life. And so thank you for that. And thank you so much for the podcast. The podcast has done so well. So thank you all so much for listening and sharing and for the messages that have been sent. Uh, it, it It means the world. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this one. How are, Hello, you? how are you? Great. Thank you so much, first and foremost, for for doing this. I know you're an extremely busy guy. Yeah. What? Where are you? I'm in Wales. Wales. Wow. Cool. So it's five. It's five o'clock here. And can you thank Erica for me as well? She's been amazing. Yeah. Uh, she's. Um, it's unbelievable when we uh, open. Uh, yeah. I I remember when we opened up business about four almost five years ago and we were doing business cards and we had to give her a title and it was a joke because <laughs> you know the stuff she does would be yeah. least... <laughs> yeah. no she was great i'm so grateful for to, to her because i know like i said you do all all this work and so i'm very grateful thank you and yeah. we actually just to give you a bit of background uh i play drums for carnival cruise lines and so I play full time with them. And about, I think in 2015, I want to say, I was studying in the UK. And then I managed to get on to the Berkeley five week program. And you, oh, were, yeah. you were actually my technique instructor. Oh, I don't remember that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I did, which, I did. Which, which level was it? The highest one, I think. Because I remember that it's like. It, Those are fun. Those are fun, right? Yeah. It like it changed. It kind of it like really gave me a lot of. Uh, I'll never forget you sitting us down in that class and then saying, you know, everyone who made it in this room is most likely going to become a professional musician. And that has stuck with me for like, what is it now? 2021, like six, seven years. Yeah. It's like. Um, uh you know, I had great mentors, Alan Dawson and Jim Shaping, Freddie Gruber, Gary Shafey, and they had such an impact on my life. And I, and sometimes, you know, uh, are we live or this is a recording? Um, we're not live. No, I, I, like okay. this is just a recording. Just in case, just in case you want to say anything that we'll just take out later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, you know. For, for me, like, I teach it like an insane amount of students. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just finished the spring semester. Mm-hmm. 
and I'll never do that again in my whole life because I did January, February, March until now. And I was teaching full time at Berkeley online, full time at the Drum Set Coach Academy, which is my school, my new school, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited to talk to you about that in yeah. a minute. The Player School of Music and the DrumSetCoach.com. And literally, I just finished 780 sessions. And I love it and I hate it at the same time <laughs> because. I had to make decisions. I mean, it's a blessing, you know, God bless me so much. But uh, it's like uh, the days were just like like this, you know, it's insanity, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight sessions a day. And, and I had to make decisions like, do I eat lunch or I get in the car and go? <laughs> do I sleep? Or I recorded that video for that student. <laughs> and it was it was totally insanity. My family, they kind of didn't see me. And uh, right towards the end, the, well, there was a reason that we did that. But let me, I'm a little ADD, but let me, why I'm mentioning that is because you teach all those students and some of the guys, you're changing their lives forever and you don't realize because then the summer comes and the fall so once in a while, I got guys like you, like, let me let me tell this story, which is great. For me, that's the best price. I swear, the best price is actually not the money, it's the emails that I got. And when somebody like you, if I inspired you to do something, it, it gives me assurance to keep going and to realize that what I do might be important, you know. It, it, it reaffirms that's a blessing to have my flock. You're part of my flock, right? <laughs> yeah. So years ago, this guy calls me and said, hey, are you going to PASIC? You know, P-A-S, you know, the Percussive Arts Society. I said, yeah, my name is, I'm going to tell his name in a minute because you might know this guy because he became famous. <laughs> I'm such and such, and you changed my life. Uh, I was your student at Southern Miss because when I went to get my master's degree, I was teaching full time. And was not like Berkeley, but I was teaching 50 students a week or something like that. It was the first time I had a, a lot of students. Now it's like way more than that. But he said, you transformed my life. And, and he shared his testimony with me, how I'm responsible for his whole, like I totally changed his life. And, and he wants to take me to lunch at PASIC. And he told me his name. And I really didn't remember because what I say, you know, I, for the past 10 years, 700, average 780 sessions. And some of those sessions are actually classes. Yeah. So it's literally on the thousand. So it's hard to remember. I remember a lot of people if they stay like private lessons yeah, yeah, yeah. or they, you know, you know, life. Right. So when I saw him, I remembered him <laughs> and he took me to lunch and that was Steven Taylor. He's like a legend now online, right? <laughs> and he's blew me away what he's doing online with the, uh, Stephen um, Drumshed, Stephen Drumshed. And and I, I watched, I said, oh my goodness, man. So that was such a pleasure to hear testimony of a seed that was planted and he made a forest out of it, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and then at that same convention, I was telling him, what I was struggling a little bit because I was teaching at Berkeley full time. And on Saturdays, I like to teach private, but this Saturday was not long enough. I had eight students every Saturday and there was more people 
trying to study with me, then I can afford to teach them because I don't have no time. <laughs> and I felt bad about this. So he actually helped me. We sat down a couple of times during that convention, usually at night. And he gave me a lot of great ideas. So now you have the student coaching the teacher, you know, full circle. Yeah. Because he was such an expert on marketing. And we still, uh, I still respect him very much. And I talk to him like uh, after spending nine years at Berkeley, almost 10 years without stopping, I want to take a leave of absence. Right. And I don't know who to bounce ideas with. I called him from Berkeley, you know, and, and I say, hey, what do you think? Of, here I am like a Berkeley professor, his teacher. I want to see his opinion because I know he loves me and I respect him. And he he talked to me about a couple of things and he's married with kids. I'm married with kids. And he helped me make that decision, which I did. And then I, I had a long conversation with him about, hey, man, you on your own, you know, I'm thinking about jumping ship and creating my own school. And we talked for a long time, almost for an hour. And he was so supportive and he helped me thinking about some scenarios, which was, was like very funny. You know, he goes, what is your fears? You know, <laughs> he goes, he, he was great. He said, uh, all right, let's, let's go to the worst scenario. Everything's going to go wrong. <laughs> nobody wants to start with you nobody so what do you do i said he said can't you deliver pizza can you work on a you know he was we can right so basically he was great he was great we we laughed so hard and uh but he made on a serious note made me really believe that you know i can do this but anyway so here is an example like somebody like you that was off my radar you know, and, you know, Gary Schaaf is somebody like that to me, you know, now he knows, but years ago, he had no idea. And I, I've been with him from late 80s until now, you know, I know that he retired and uh, I guess I can start talking about this, which is unbelievable. He, he had a meeting with me and Erica, because Eric is my manager. And he, he said, hey, I want to have a meeting with you. And I, I want Erica to be there. And I was at my school on Zoom, and Eric was at home on Zoom. And he said, listen, I'm retired. We start laughing because he retired like three times. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, no, th this time is, is, is for real, and I want you to take over. I, I just cry like a baby, man. That's unbelievable. He said, he said yeah, I mean, that's heavy. You know, he said, um, uh, I wanted to take over. You know, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm tired and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I couldn't believe it, man. I cried so much. He said, you know, I, he said, of all the guys that I teach, there is two people that knows my stuff inside out. One, one of the guys, I don't know the guys, he's in Europe. He just won a Grammy for something. We got to hook it up. But he wants me to take over the um, pardons, pardons series. And he sent all this documentation. He nominated me. Uh, the master teacher of the pardon series master teacher so i have all documentation we have videos that we're going to make a big announcement because fall 2021 i'm work on these mega projects and i have all from 88 until now i started with him on and off and i've recorded everything on cassettes and i have notes 
and he just sent me a bunch of stuff and once in a while I think like hey I forgot this or I forgot that and I mean my last correspondent with him it's like a, because the reason I went to Berkeley is because once I start discovering Vinicola and Steve Smith they started with Alan Dawson, Gary Schaefer, and they went to Berkeley. That's why I went to Berkeley and started with Alan Dawson and, and Schaefer. But he's sending me so much stuff, some old notes. Um, you know, he sent me a bunch of stuff. And, oh, my God. And um, this is unbelievable. So I'm working on this mega project, which is after I started with Alan Dawson for eight years and with John Ramsey. I produced something on my school called The Extensions of the Teachings of Alan Dawson, which John Ramsey and I presented at PASIC. John Ramsey is the author of this book here. Yeah, me and you, me and you, actually, on when I on our first class, me and you played the first part of the ritual up to single strokes. So you probably gained my respect right away. <laughs> <laughs> me and you played it together. I'll never, ever forget it, ever. So we did the extensions because I didn't stop, you know. So I, I showed John Rams. I said, um, hey, check this out. Those are some extensions. And he he really loves me like a drum dad. And he said, man, <laughs> he told me that I'm on that level, that I'm becoming one, you know. And um, and then I produced some, I produced <coughs> this product with him because he also had some extensions. And then it's called the extensions of the teaching of Alan Doss, which is very advanced. And we present a couple of clinics together and we went to PAS. So and now I'm doing the extensions of the teachings of Gary Shafee, which is unbelievable because just to play Gary's stuff as is, is near impossible. But to expand on that is really. So Gary's being very generous to send me stuff and uh, I have all old notes. Uh, I have a lot of stuff with his own handwritten stuff. And for the last three years, we are talking about stuff that's not on the books. It's not on his books, you know. Yeah, his pattern and, series is absolutely incredible, isn't it? Yeah, and that's nothing. As incredible, <laughs> that's absolutely baby stuff. 2011, I go back to Boston and I try to convince him to get out of retirement. And then, and then he relaxed him said okay I'll, why why you wanted to start you don't need to start with me again i said i do i want i said who the heck i'm gonna go take lessons with you know <laughs> yeah. so we i visit him a few times we had great conversations went out to dinner and then i said hey i want to pay you i want to i want to have lessons again and i show up there with the books he goes like what is this you know I, we can't go back there you know so it was all applications and was beautiful and he's such a genius and um no, here I am, like, now I'm a broccoli professor. I'm, I'm not a little kid anymore. And I go in there, and every time I'm with him, I feel like a kindergarten. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like, you know. Yeah, which is so wild, and it's so incredible to hear that because I think people are under a misconception that when you learn and you're a certain ability, you just stop. But it's it never works like that, does it? No, I'm a student, and he's the thing, man. Um more I know, more I know that I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Erica the other day. I, I was auditioned one guy one time with Ken Wood Denard, Professor Ken Wood Denard, you know. 
and this guy came in. He totally sucked, but he didn't know he sucked. He's very happy, you know. We're like, this is awesome. Like he doesn't even know he sucks, you know. But um, you know, just um, as a teacher, and I would like, I know I'm a great teacher because not to be sound like a jerk, but how do you know? Well, it's the number of students, man. You know, by the fall 2019, I was teaching more classes at Berkeley designing more courses and wrote more books than anybody in there you know and i you know i can go in the database and see that because i can see the rosters so that's my proof right if i suck nobody will be signing up for my classes you that's know? right and your proof is also testimonials like like this i wouldn't be we wouldn't be doing a podcast right now if i didn't remember who you were but i remember who you were that's, because, that's right because of the impact you had when i was there in five weeks you know yeah. let alone imagine three years yeah, but check this level. Check Gary's level, right? <laughs> Professor Berkeley, everybody tell me every day that I blow their mind. And I go every time I'm with him. It's like when I was with Alan. I really feel like I'm in kindergarten. <laughs> he, he's like on another whole galaxy, man. Yeah. And he yeah. always, always, always had tons and tons of stuff to show me. And... Uh, Towards the end, we talk mostly on the phone, and each phone conversation was just like a blessing. I'm very fortunate, very lucky, and now I'm uh, extrapolating on that, you know, uh, yeah. doing some extensions and um, helping the student digest. So I can't wait. So if you can help me promote this fall 2021, Definitely. the Drum Set Coach Academy is the only school in the world that is authorized to teach his stuff. And then I have this new book coming out, which is the Gary, Extensions of the Teaching of Gary Shafee, which has a collection of things that is not published, you know. And students can learn with you from wherever you do remote uh, lessons. Yeah, I teach on Skype and I teach on Zoom. And I also... I have something that's incredible right now. I have an elite group of people on the drumsetcoach.com. These is people that are with me for about four years. And they are the best students that I ever had in my life. They're not really students no more. They're like heavy players. <laughs> but here's something that's kind of difficult for a guy like me because I thrive teaching advanced students. Yeah. And the problem with this is like, so this group is about 12 to six, maybe 20 people or less, but they, they did my entire hand and foot technique, one hand and foot technique two, my entire, the entire thing, uh, the ultimate hand technique, the molar course, the polyrhythm, those guys are monster players yeah. because they built that foundation. So if you want to study the extensions of the teachings of Gary Shafee, you got to first go and start with me the regular stuff so we, you can build it. Otherwise, you, you, you're you going to be struggling, you know? Yeah, I absolutely love that. And we will definitely get on to your advice for teachers and students in a bit. I would love to know, you have done some of the most incredible work. Like, you are one of the busiest people I've ever spoken to. And so you have done, you played in front of the president, vice president, you've done Carnegie Hall several times. You've been a Berkeley professor for 10 years. Where, how did you get there? How, what was your journey like? Uh, struggle, right? I came to America right after high school. Oh, let me tell you, I mean, you know, I talk a lot and my stuff is all, everything is deep, but I'll try to go as fast as I can. So I'm in Brazil, 
My dad is a chemical engineer. My mom is an amazing mom. My mom always told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I was in Brazil, but I like jazz. I start reading about jazz and the drum set is American instrument, New Orleans. So I really want to come to America and go to Berkeley, but I couldn't afford that. So somehow I got a I got um applied to Berkeley. The first time I was denied because I didn't have any training or harmony knowledge. So I so here's a lesson for you. Instead of saying, okay, I go like I go solve that problem. Mm. And then I apply again. I was rejected again because I didn't have like fluent English language, ILS, whatever you call it. So I had to go and do that. And then finally, they accept me on probation. Like you come and do the summer. If you do well, we accept you. Now I like a design course for the college. Right? <laughs> so, so my entire thing at Berkeley was really tough because I come to America, the best country in the world. I have no mom, no dad, no friend, nothing. Just God and I, man. And it was a struggle, you know. It was a struggle, and it's hard work to this day, you know. Sometimes. Uh, you know, when I talk to my clients because I do coaching, life coaching, if you go to the drumsetcoach.com, not only you can book drum set lessons, but you can book some business coaching lessons. And here's something I tell people. How can somebody teach you how to be successful if they are failures? You know, you know, I can't make you follow my path, but, you know, I can say something that's going to hurt people's feelings, you know, because there is, it's just hard work. I wake up early and I work focused and, you know, I, in eight years, I, I'm going to say this, but I don't want to sound like this guy's a jerk, no, but the, the, the reason I say is because I want you to ask this question. Why should I listen to this guy? Yeah. Right. Okay. So in eight years, I wrote 13 books. And I didn't take sabbatical. I took Saturdays, right? I designed courses. I got promoted to full professor early. Usually take 20, 30 years. I full professor in eight years, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you're such a jerk. No, but I was there at 6.45 in the morning. Nobody was there at 6.45 in the morning. I knew every janitor. I knew every uh, delivery truck guys. The, the other guys stroll over there at 10 and they leave at 3. I'm there from 6.45 to 7.08. It's a lot of work, right? Yeah. My, when I start teaching at Berkeley, you know, I, Mike Mangini resigned to go play with Dream Theater. That's the position. <laughs> that, that's kind of heavy, right? Yeah. So they just dumped his schedule in my lap, you know. So now I had to teach Afro-Cuban lab, Brazilian lab, double bass lab, poly polyrhythm lab, rock pot, all that stuff. And I just care about my students. And I developed this system of, four dimensional teaching. So if you start with me, you're going to have PDF, you're going to have audio, video, and coaching. I'm going to email you. I'm going to check during the week how you guys doing. It's really amazing, right? So then after, after that, after 10 years there, I kind of got burned out a little bit because, you know, I've I've practice from 7 to 10 and then I teach 10 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 1, lunch hour 1 to 2, then I teach 2 to 3, 3 to 4, 4 to 5, 5 to 6, 6 to 7, office hours start over. I just couldn't take it anymore. It's like Peter Eskin is here. I can't see it. I'm teaching. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Harry Mason is our 
artist in residence. I can't go see. I'm teaching. I'm on the basement. It's like a blue collar. I love the job, but you know, I need a little break, right? Yeah. So that's uh, you know, the journey is um, trying to make everything has a reason. Uh, why did I create the drumsetcoach.com? Okay, students who come to my office and say, "Hey, I don't understand that molar thing. How, how does that go?" And I would say, "Okay, let me do a video for you on the phone, and I email you." And then I noticed the guys that I was sending videos to they getting better faster. Right. So I start doing videos on my office hours. I'll be doing videos for my classes and sending them. Well, I didn't realize that the students, they are not as organized as we are. So I'll be, hey, Dan, let's say you ask, hey, I'm having problem playing this polyrhythm snare thing. And I'll say, didn't I send you that three weeks ago? Now we got to go find that email. <laughs> so I start putting on YouTube for free. So even to this day, if you go to YouTube, there's a lot of videos on like if you click on my playlist, there's double bass, big bass. This is all for my Berkeley students. That way everybody can, I can send a link. But then it was a lot of work for free. So we create the drum set coach, which is more organized. And we start charging. That's the whole reason. So they had a reason for it. And the reason was like, man, how can I make money? You know, it's to help people. You know, and the, the books, the reason for the books is because... Um, Berkeley has 45, about 40 to 45 professors. And when I got there, it had 750 drums. Let's say you're a professor and I'm a professor. And I have a polyrhythm class and I wrote an exercise and I have to go to the uh, lounge, the teacher's lounge, to copy some handouts. Well, you and five other guys are copying handouts. Yeah. The machine breaks, you screwed. Now you don't have your handouts. <laughs> So yeah. the reason number one for the book is like, I don't need the handouts. Buy the book. That's the whole question. <laughs> also, I start to be really good about writing lesson plans. Yeah. So if you're taking this polyrhythm course with me, I'm going to say, here's the book. Here's the whole course. And then I say, here's the lesson plan. And it has what we're going to do each week. Why? Let's say you say, hey, professor, I got to go to New York to play a gig next week what are we going to be doing so I can practice it? Look at your lesson plan. Week three, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. So that made me have time to have a cup of coffee in the morning. So I was struggling doing this handout stuff. Yeah. 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 So was it, was it always your intention to become a teacher? I always love to be a teacher. I think I was born to be a teacher. Man. I, I'm a performer. You know, I like playing, but I love to teach. I just yeah. love to teach. And it's hard work, but I just, I think it's because I like learning. Yeah. You know, I yeah. like yeah. studying and I like creating. Uh, I just, I, I have a new editor. He's actually in Russia and he's a young guy. He's actually one of my students and uh, he's helping me with, with, uh, with this project here. Right. Nice. And uh, I just wrote a piece this morning and I talked to him on the phone and, we, you know, he, he, uh, because the, the rhythms finale music program doesn't like my rhythms, you know, because it's yeah. very, it's complicated bracketing stuff. And this yeah. kid, he's very fast. He's unbelievable fast. 
So, and he's working with me now um, so fast that I can basically just tell him stuff and he, you know, he knows what I'm talking about. But I love teaching. I love creating. And when you teach, you learn a lot, you know, because when two learn, when one teach, two learn, right? Right. And also, one of the greatest things about teach teaching, especially great players, is they, you know, the, a lot of my books are inspired by the students' needs. You know, like the when you teach a lot of people, the problems are kind of the same problems. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can, I can give you one exercise that's gonna decide if the guy's a beginner or not right away. Like yeah. one exercise. All right, let's see if this guy is a beginner. Okay, go like this. You're going to go... That, no beginner can do that because they, they're not used to go down on the foot on the bass drum and up with the hi-hat, right? In order to hit the hi-hat, the right foot needs to go up and the, down, the bass drum... Try that with your students. Go, go, taka 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 pija taka pija taka pija taka pija pija pita pija pita pija pita pija pija taka pija. It's a coordination thing. Yeah, I think I'm 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 at a point in my life like very much like you, where when you were younger, where like I I don't teach at the moment because I I would I see too many teachers doing it just for monetary gain. They don't do it for the student's benefit. And so I think I will only get into teaching when I'm doing it because I solely am doing it for them, you know? And obviously the ships take us away for seven months at a time. So there's not really that much time in between. Right. I wouldn't want to start with a student and right. then leave for seven months, not be available, then come back. It would be like too mismatched. But in the future, I would love to. But it, like I said, for the reason exactly like you, where the primary focus is the development of the student, and the cash is kind of just a side, you know, it's just great that you're also getting paid. Do you know what I mean? Well, that statement, that statement is, 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 um, is a sign of good character. You know, the, the way, the way you feeling that and you say, I'm not doing it because if I do it now, it's not the right way to do it. Yeah. It's a good sign of good character. Uh, now, the money is not a side. The money is important, but one thing that a lot of people get confused, like I'm extremely successful, right? You know, right. when people go, I wrote a book, I go like, that's cute. I wrote 13 and I'm <laughs> on my 14. When people go like, I got an endorsement. I got an endorsement, man. I got a free drums. I got eight drum sets. Do you, do you, do you ever met anybody that got eight drum sets in the middle of a pandemic? Have you? No, I haven't no Eight. Eight. <laughs> Sonar drums. Two drums for me, six drums for this school for free in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Why I'm saying that? Why I'm saying that? Vic first makes my my signature sticks, right? The best drum club. But I want to also have a jazz stick. The middle of the pandemic, not only I have one signature stick, I have two. Now, I'm not talking about, I have this, I have that, I have that. I want you to ask why. Why? Yeah. Respect. Respect. Yeah. Credibility. Respect. That's right. That's right. But I think you're so right. I, I absolutely love what you're saying because it's like, you know, you wouldn't go and see 
a fat dietitian or a fat person. Yeah. Right? We think I like, I tell my students, would you take marriage advice from a divorce guy, <laughs> financial advice from a guy who's broke? Yeah. Right? Like you said, you know, so this is so frustrating because here's what's happening right now. You got a 16 year old who started marketing, does amazing video, great light, great sound, never played with anyone, nobody. Yeah. Never, never taught anywhere. And, but he looks so cool. He knows how to talk. He knows how to do that. And he's going to say, I'm going to help you to be successful. You never play with anybody, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you I, have I, no, you I, have I, no I, degree. Yeah. Everybody on the drum set coach Academy has two degrees. A master, Danny Sanderson, my business partner has two degrees. My wife has two degrees. I have two degrees. Also, I played with a lot of people in a lot of styles, Brazilian, Afro-Cuban, rock, big band. I learn a lot from that, but I don't have time to do marketing stuff. You know, I, I, I you know, I play drums. So that's very frustrating to see people being a ship, sheep instead of a lion, you know, and um, you have to meet my, my elite group. I want you to talk to them. I would love to. Because uh, think about this for a minute. This course at Berkeley is 12 weeks. So you have 12 lessons. At the drum set coach is 16 weeks. Yeah. Two weeks of you start with me at the drum set coach is, is two months at Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, when you're in college, you, you have another 10 to 12 classes. You don't have time. But the guys at the drum set coach, we do like, okay, we're going to do, uh, we just finished 16 weeks of the polyrhythm course. And then we do another 12 weeks just hands. So it's very focused and you go really deep. So it have an impact on you, on your playing, you know? Yeah, I just, I absolutely, I cannot identify with it more. That's the reason why, like in the future, I would love my own academy. I'd love to do things like you're doing, but I, I don't, I, I want to do it when I've earned it. You know what I mean? When, yeah. when you have the credibility to do it, like we've just said, you wouldn't go to an overweight personal trainer because they, they don't even heed their own advice. So why would you heed that advice? Yeah. You know? So it's like, it's exactly the same. When I go into teaching and I, I want to open my own rehearsal facilities and things like that, I want to do it because they're like, well, why should I come to you? And it's like, well, because I've done all of this, you know? That's yeah, what- and also, also there's a legacy, you know? I, I don't take credit of what I teach because, you know, I had Alan Dawson and Gary Shafee and Freddie Gruber and Jim Shaping and Dr. John Wooten. And then I had mentors like Phil Wilson and Wayne Norris and Greg Hopkins, all those guys that play with Buddy Rich, you know. And I also have two mentors that has nothing to do with music, Leon Newman and Jim Peterson. Those guys are older men that helps me with spiritual ways and decisions and um, you know so I have a lot of people that also taught me a lot that I can teach that I can pass that along to other people you know but also as part of your program you can you can draw on that experience as well drumming is not just about the physical ability to play drums right yeah so my approach to teaching well I have two black belts one black belt in Shotokan karate in a black belt in Goju Ryu karate, so I'm a martial artist. And then uh, I was in the military for 13 years on the United States Air Force. 
Wow. Uh, uh, so I got the military, the karate, and also I have a master's degree in music. And I'm a Christian. I respect all religions, but I'm a Christian. So my teachings are heavily influenced by martial artists, discipline, the military discipline, the musical academia, my faith. And then I was a street musician all the way to high school. So all this stuff is infused on my teaching. So to be honest with you, what I teach my students has nothing to do with drumming, actually. Yeah. I teach them things that if they learn it, they're going to be very successful. If they don't learn it, they're going to fail on everything, yeah. which is patience, discipline, perseverance, humility, consistency, organization skills, planning, all, all that, oh, and on and on and on and on and on and on. What's the humility? The humility is you not you have to be humble enough to understand that you're not gonna be great fast. Yeah. Nothing that's great was built fast. So with the humility, you have to have patience. You can't learn in one lesson or two lessons. But humility and patience without consistency, you have nothing. Because you have to have the discipline to work on your goals every day. Let's say you're bagging groceries on a grocery store and you hate that job. And you really want to be a drummer. You have to maybe put 20 minutes every day, 30 minutes to towards your dreams and your goals. So that consistency, the every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. And then you have to be a goal-setting person. You have to set up, you know, what is your goal for the next five years? And it, it boils down to your day. If you have control of your day, you have control of your week. If you have control of your week, you have control of the month. And then the quarter and the year and then your life. And I tell this to my the people that I coach. Randomness, randomness steals you from your greatness. More random you are, more wasteful you are. The, the, the biggest treasure that you have is your mind. Biggest treasure. It's priceless. Billions of dollars worth of, I don't know, it's, you can't put a price in your mind. And the other treasure that you have is time. So, so what do you do with your time and how you do your time is, is where, where is that? Yeah, I mean, I... I just cannot, I cannot agree more. Like this is, this is such an energizing, like I believe a lot in like energies and, you know, like radiators and drains, you know, like you meet some people who give off a lot of energy and some people that just take it all without giving it back. And so that like, you know, I can just tell that you, well, I, I've met you in person and we played together. So I know it, you know, you, what you possess in that sense is worth more than what you can physically teach in behind the drum kit from where I'm sitting anyway. That's right. That's right. You know, and then but music is a good tool to exercise all that stuff. Like, uh, you know, when I moved here, one thing that was a challenge is, you know, I, I opened my school. We now have 130 some students, but I never thought, you know, I taught beginners before. But for the past 10 years, I'm teaching Berkeley guys. Now, all of a sudden I have 12 year old, nine year olds. And, yeah. 
and how do you teach them discipline and all that all those things that I was talking about and what I do as soon as they come in we have different tracks they'll be on the track that I call do you need anything oh Eric is here do you want to meet Erica yes he said thank you to you <laughs> hello Erica Hello, hello. Thank you so much for uh, organizing all of this. It was so, uh, yeah. it's so kind yeah. of you. I didn't yeah. know he was on five week with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, in like 2015, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. That's going back. Yeah. So, so I start with little kids as music activity, right? It's not real music education. It is music education. But I say, okay, your goal is to learn one song. Once you know one song, you're going to do a recital on the stage with a bunch of guys who only know one song. And at that level, it's like with backing tracks, you know, because we have a little recital room at the school. So once they play a song with the audience and they clap and they see all the people, you know, they go like, oh, this is what this is about, right? <laughs> so the next level is three songs. So we, we, we are planning. There is a plan. What is the plan? We're going to play three songs. What is the goal? Is to play on the stage. You're going to have to have the discipline to practice the songs, to do this and this and that. And then they play three songs. And after that, we go to a level three, which is five songs. So in those events, a lot less students, maybe four. And then they do 10 songs. <laughs> so when they do 10 songs, they learn a lot about do what they said they're going to do. And when I give a little certificate, I talk to, to the audience, like how proud I'm of them that they... And then I invite them to switch tracks to the what I call the conqueror. Uh, there is Voyager. Uh, what is that? Voy Explore, Voyager, and Conqueror. So they are explorers because they're not really going deep. And then they become a Voyager, which is real music education. They're now going to go into orchestral, snare drum reading, rudimental reading, chart reading, styles. And then it's basically follow the Berkeley model, but we're done for that age. Yeah. And then when they do, they do an exam, they go into a 12-week program or 16-week program. And then I do what I do at Berkeley. I don't test them. I hire uh, Berkeley professors or local teachers to test them on this test. And then once they are level two, level three is just exactly what I teach at Berkeley for a performance major. That's so incredible. So... After a year and a half, I now have students that are level five, level four, like at my school, the equivalent of a second, third semester college, but they are 13, 14. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, are you quite OCD with the way that things are structured? Did you learn that with Berkeley or did you have that before? I was very organized before I went to Berkeley as a teacher because I went there as a student also. Yeah, that's right. But I just found some old notes I was very organized already, but what Berkeley did for me, that's incredible. And I think that's why Berkeley professors are the best teachers in the world is because of the amount of classes that we teach. Mm -hmm. It's like giving seven or eight master classes every week. Mm -hmm. And what is the difference between a Berkeley professor and let's say a world-class drummer that is very famous that gives clinics well, when a world-class performer give a clinic, they go in a music store, they give you information, they go to the next town. They don't get feedback. They don't know if the way they present that works or not. At Berkeley, I teach you a class. Next week, you come back. I'm getting feedback if you learn it or not, and I can tweak, 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 tweak. 
So it's like by the time I wrote this, I already taught this so many times. Yeah. You know, I already know where you're going to have the problem. With, like I give you an example. I know for a fact when I teach my pop rock lab, we start with, uh, you know, swing shuffle, blue shuffle, hip hop shuffle, 12 week shuffle. This is a problem for the shuffles. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. pop rock, funk. Every the week is like after midterm is New Orleans and funk gives everybody a problem because it's syncopated, there is ghost notes. I already know that because I already <laughs> did that like many semesters. So I already know when you get to that point, everybody's gonna freak out, you know. <laughs> yeah. It happens every time. So, you know, that I was already organized, but Berkeley really fine-tuned that. Yeah. It made me a much better teacher. And was a great lab for me, you know, to to learn how to teach better. And I had bad days, you know, on the beginning. I don't have those anymore as much. But you know, I have given lectures that, you know, I look at people, nobody understand what I was saying. That's a problem. Right? And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, that, you know, do you guys understand this? Everybody's like. <laughs> so I had to go home and figure this out. You know, I might have to explain this another way. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I'll give you an example of that. You know, if you like, if we go like, okay, so we're gonna play five against one, and then he's five against two, and he's five. You know, do you guys got that? And everybody would be like, what? And then, I, and then I would go back next next class. I said, can you guys play that? Nobody can. Okay, so I figure a better way. So we're gonna play five against one. But then we're gonna just move the left hand. Oh, that's that's like a little example of that, like a tangible example. But what know. I love about that is that you're, you know, you have to be so creative with that because, and you're, and you're also taking accountability as the teacher of like, well, they didn't get it. So it, it's, it must be something that I did, not that they just can't grasp it. You know what I mean? That's the best thing that Berkeley did for me because students come for me with questions. My job is to provide the answer, right? Yeah. So what high volume teaching does is some, if I give you an answer and, and the answer works for you, that's a good answer that I'm going to save it. So another guy asked the same thing. I I already have this answer here for that problem that happened, but didn't work for that guy. Yeah. Oh, this doesn't work for that guy. I have to come up with another <laughs> answer, right? Because everybody learns different. All of a sudden, you develop a system, and you have several answers, several solutions to the same problem, yeah. And then you start understanding that this guy learned this way, this guy learned that way. That's why I created that multi-level system. Some person are more visual, some person are more, they have to hear. Some people learn really fast, some people really. So you really get good at it because you just try an error. And then all of a sudden, what happens is now 90, 90% of my stuff works. I know it works as I see the results, you know. Yeah, and I love that leveling system. That's one thing I really loved when I got to Berkeley five week is the first thing you did was assessments so they could place you in your 
in your various categories because it wouldn't be any good if you were down here and then someone was already up here by the time you did it and you were in the same class you know because you're just gonna fall you're just gonna fall behind and then feel worse you know we're we're berkeley we're like experts yeah oh my it's like, like, it's like the number one school in the world right like like somebody say hey i want to take your double base integration lab all right come to my office come to my i have like like four or five little exercise play that <laughs> If they play that with no problem, they're ready to go to that class, you know. <laughs> if they if they can't play those pages, I said, you're not ready for that yet, you know. Yeah. So what does it take to become a Berkeley professor? That's a great question. It's a very tough uh, to get the job, first of all. I can imagine. There is The amazing thing is like, if, like, all the things that I'm telling you, my endorsement, my life, I'm just watching the God show, you know. I'm I'm not leaving all this like, man, I really do this. It's fun for me just to, I can't believe it. You know, I just watch and I wake up every morning and I still can't believe it. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very lucky. But um, what Berkeley looks for is, um, okay, let's say you uh, interview to get a job at Berkeley, right? So I'm going to say, okay, you want to get a job here? What do you want to teach? What is your expertise? What What do you say? Oh, what would I say? Um, Just make stuff up. Oh, like... Just go along. Pop music. Pop music. What is the five top pop drummers in your opinion? Uh, Jeff Piccaro. Uh... Steve Gadd. Can you teach them? No. <laughs> That's how we think there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm nowhere near those guys, but I'm very, I'll say this without a heavy heart. I can totally show some stuff to Steve Gadd that he's going to like it, that he yeah. doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a Berkeley professor. <laughs> Omaha, Omaha, Omaha King, Omaha King is one of my all-time idols. He's one of the best drummers in the world. He used to go to my classes. He learned a lot of my classes. You know? That's wild, isn't it? You know, Mark Walker is like a multi-Grammy drummer. You know, when he wants to, you know, you know, work on his hand, he started my hand stuff. One time he's on tour with uh, on tour in Europe. He's texting me, "Can you send Paige?" Blah blah blah. He's working my stuff. It blows my mind. You yeah, know? we actually we were very very lucky that we got to meet um, and we got to play in front of Victor Wooten. Um, Carnival had him come in and do a bunch of workshops with us, and that was like unbelievable as well. You know, I, yeah, I love playing with him, and I he I learned a lot with him, hanging, teaching with him, and also playing with his band. I I play with him once in a while, but. I want to say this, and you should put this on your podcast, and Eric is going to get a kick out of this. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of people that I teach that are legends, Grammy winners, Golden Records, plat and they don't want to tell people that they start with me, <laughs> which I feel bad because they could help me, you know, but yeah. that's, fine. that's fine with me. You know? Why do, you do you think that's because they maybe don't want it to seem like they needed to be taught? I think that... Uh, this is a great topic because that's why I, I joke about I'm, I'm a lion, not a sheep, you know, right. 
don't live on fear. If you is fear, it's insecurity. I changed the percussion. I, I didn't change it, but I know I was a very positive influence on the percussion department. You can ask this to Tony Tony Smith, um, John Ramsey, because I did something that, that when I start doing, I could really see their faces. They couldn't believe. Like, I would go see another professor's clinics, and I'll go like, man, that was incredible. I learned, man, you on a whole other level. I'll just praise them. Yeah. They're not used to that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not afraid of this is why. Then then, right? Yes. So let's say you play amazing and I watch you play. That's not gonna change the way I play. No. Let's say you suck, right? And I get all happy because you suck. That still doesn't change the way I play. Whatever you do, it doesn't change me. I need to see how I'm going to react to that. The only thing that's going to change what you do is you. Right. So you need to think about what you're going to do. Yeah, I absolutely. So, yeah, this to I love this topic because there's a guy who just released a book, Benny Greb. Do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he released a book a few weeks ago. It was called Effective Practice for Musicians. And one of the things he covered is that, you know, when when people like Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa and all that were, were growing up, they, they only had maybe like, five drum books and they didn't have youtube they didn't have anything and so they could just learn those and then develop their own style based off those but now we have this like unbelievable wealth of things like coming at us from every angle you know you might go to practice and think oh i did a great practice session tonight and then you go on social media and someone is playing a blazing chop and you're like oh maybe i should do that then and so you're getting pulled in all these different directions what's your advice for that to count to counter that Okay, two things. I totally disagree with anyone that that tells you that they're going to teach you how to practice. That's a lie. Hey, sign up for this course on how to practice. Well, pr it depends. You know, I just met, I was just hanging out with the, one of the best drummers in Brazil. He came to visit at Berkeley. He now plays with this big pop star that I used to play with. He doesn't play any jazz. He doesn't know any jazz. <laughs> Why? There's no jazz gigs for him. It's useless. Not useless, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So nobody's going to tell you how to practice. I can coach you and help you to practice more efficiently, but every individual is different. If you play on a cruise ship, let's say, uh, I'll give you an example. I moved from Boston to Colorado Springs. In Boston, I had a drum tech, a whole crew. And I had a fusion band. And I played, my drums is a 20-inch bass drum, 18 bass drum, 12 snare, 14 snare, 8, 10, 12, two floor times, and 11 cymbals. Why? I don't need to set up them. They set up for me. Yeah. They set up, I play the in-ear monitors, mics, and then after the show, I go to dinner, and they pack it up. And I moved to Colorado Springs. I don't have roadies. Oh, I do have, I always have a tech, but it's not big stages. Yeah. Smaller places. So I had to set up, this is my new miniature fusion kit, which is actually a 10, 8, 10, 13, 14, 12, 13, and 16. Uh, 
so if you like, hey, let me teach you how to have a fusion kit, it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. how how I practice now, I change the way I'm practicing because ninety nine percent of the venues I play now is acoustic. Right. So if you're asking me how I was practicing Massachusetts, how I practice now, I'm practicing things that I'm going to use on the immediate, uh, of course, it's long term. So nobody can tell you what to, it depends on your level, what is your gigs, what is your goal. Like if you start with me and I'm preparing you to be accepted at Berkeley, this is one type of practice. My whole focus is to pass this freaking audition. Yeah. Right? Once you pass the audition, we're going to change that relationship. and do. So I don't believe in that. Second, so basically what I, I set out that to say what? Nobody's going to teach you how to practice because every individual is on a different level and they have different needs. Right? Yeah. So it's not take one, practice this, and you'll be able to, yeah. to play this great brushes gig. Yeah. But the guys are not having metal band. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, second, I have a solution for that problem. I like to present solutions that works. Yeah. I see a lot of people with that problem. Every week yeah, I, I see a student say, hey, I don't know what to practice. You know, so much to do. And they, they start doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. And the way I solve this, I stop pro teaching one private lessons if you want to take one private lesson with me it's going to be very expensive on purpose right you still can do that let's say you have a gig somebody's going to come on the cruise ship and it's like a very famous brazilian artist top brazilian artist and they send you the music and you see this groove that you don't know what it is and you come hey i'm playing with this mega pop star and there was this style that's a good topic for one lesson, you know, it's a specific. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to solve that problem, when I, somebody started with me, I have a list of 30 courses that I teach, and they're usually 12 weeks or 16 weeks. If you work on anything for 16 weeks, it's going to get an impact. You're going to make an impact on your plan, you know, instead yeah. of instead of sucking in 20 things. Yeah. You know, like yeah. go deep into, spend some time with this, some time with that. And then you kind of, that's, that's how I solve that problem. And how do I know it works? If you see the students that are doing that with me, they, they did 12 weeks of this, 16 weeks of that. They are, they accomplish something and they, they get better faster than the guys that are with me, let's say for a year, but Today they want to do snare reading. Tomorrow they're not they're not building a, a house. They have all those little bricks, but it's nothing is finished. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I absolutely love that analogy. So it's literally so it's just about narrowing focus. Then I guess on certain things rather than being pulled in every direction. It's this it's like like the line on the sheet mentality. You know, I, I I've been to auditions. I was at a cruise ship audition actually a few years ago, and. You know, it was a it was a group audition, so they got you to like learn like there were four drummers, four guitarists, four bassists, four keys players, four singers, and you learn all the same material so that they could interchange the bands and see which band they liked most or which band worked the best together. And I saw like three drummers in a row, like one drummer went up and he kind of 
played like quite quietly, whatever. I don't know. He was afraid of the kit, maybe. And so then the second guy went up. And because the audition panel didn't say anything, the second guy just followed suit. He did exactly the same thing because that because that's what he thought they would want. And so then the third guy went up and did the same. But instead of doing that, I was like, well, I would rather go up and play my like myself and fail the audition, but be authentic than follow them and still not get the audition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like it's about that just individuality to step out and say, do you know what? I'm just not going to follow what anyone else is doing. I'm just going to do what I do, you know? That's right. What you just said, you know, every person that I talk is a coaching session. Yeah. Remember the comment you made earlier? good character this, what you just said is is what changed my life the minute that i said i'm not going to be a sheep everybody's going that way i'm going to do what i do <laughs> is it working wonders for me yeah clearly clearly you should see the faces of the professors Last fall when I said, you know, I'm going to jump ship, man. I'm going to resign. I'm going to go to Colorado Springs to the mountains and open my own school. Half of them said, you're crazy, man. You got some courage. But then the chairman of the Burke Percussion Department, the former chairman, John Ramsey, he looked at me and he said, I'm, I'm a little concerned, but if there is one person that can do that, that'll be you. And I swear that he said this. He said, uh, if you open a school, students are going to learn more from you than they learn here. He told me that. <laughs> and, and I'm sure they are. So I used to tour with Nando Loria. He used to be the singer for the Pat Metheny group. And they auditioned for percussion. And the guy did what you did, and he got the gig. So Pat Metheny is, I think they were in New York, and they had all those Brazilian, uh, not Brazilian, all those percussionists to audition for the Pat Metheny group. And Nandu Loria, my friend, the singer, he told me that this guy come in and and then Pat, they're, soon, they're not playing, it's just tracks. Yeah. So the guy set up congas, timbales, all that stuff. And then Pat put a track. And this guy's like, you know, conga, timbales, and playing everything. The next guy come in, the next guy come in, the next guy. People from all over the world, including some heavy, famous people. Yeah. So then this guy comes in. Marçal from Brazil. And there is all this crap. And and Pat puts the song. He's not playing anything. And then he said, let me hear first. So he heard the track. And then they play again. He just put a little shaker. <laughs> he, he got the gig. He, he's like, you know, he went from be almost homeless to do 170 shows. <laughs> he couldn't even speak English. He only say money, food, hungry, sleep. Tour all over. He's on a lot of the videos. Marçal. It's a black guy from Brazil playing percussion. He did what you did. Isn't that such an incredible testament though to say like just be you, right? Yeah, and he did what the what he thought the music need. He was not there to prove that he could play or, or not play or you know? well, yeah imagine like how imagine how pissed off you would be if you if you went and you just followed suit and then you didn't get the audition you would kick yourself because you'd be like well i was inauthentic and yeah. yeah yeah you know you know i tell my students like there is this guy he was not reading very well 
and he just took the chart reading course with me for uh, 16 weeks. He read 82 charts, and he's he can read now to a whole other level. Yeah. And then I was I was I was telling him before he took that course, I said, man, I'm, I'm, I tell that a lot to the kids. You know, I said, I'm old enough to be your father, you know, <laughs> and I would hate you to lose an opportunity. Like if you if you didn't get the gig on the audition because they're looking for something like this, but to lose an audition because you couldn't read yeah, or yeah. because your time was not good or because you didn't know styles. Those are things that there is no talent involved. It's just work. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be in a situation where you couldn't play because you don't know what's written. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so, so you're, you are like one of the best teachers on the planet. And so what would you advise to uh, like we've we've spoken about students, what, what they should kind of structurally what they should be doing. What would you advise for teachers? You have to start with fundamentals. You have to have a list on your head of what are, what are some of the things that every drummer must know. Now you gotta keep something in mind here. I I teach the art of drumming, right? Yeah. I although you know I tour. I'm, I I'm very I make a career in music, but regardless of if you want to play rock, heavy metal, jazz, Latin, you're gonna need hand technique. Okay, you need to learn how to work with this thing here, right? So I don't care which way you're gonna go. So my hand technique, you—I mean, you took technique with me. You know, you might have a heavy metal guy, a Latin guy, a rock guy, a all around, whatever. Your hands not working, nothing's gonna work. I don't care. <laughs> then feet—you gotta work on your feet. And then the third thing is coordination right coordination of the limbs and what i call stylistic coordination because when you play jazz you're going to require certain kinds of coordination when you play pop rock other coordination afro-cuban and brazilian when you have that foundation it's going to be easier to chart read and easy to do the other stuff because uh, i was listening to the great gary chester interview with danny gottlieb it's an audio interview he said something that's so true. Like, let's say they put a computer chip on your head and, and you know every rhythm that that is, right? And you read in the chart, but if you're uncoordinated, that's going to throw you off. You know, if you're playing a songo, no one in three on the bass drum, right? And you're playing clive on your left foot and you're going, ting, tuck, and then all of a sudden you have to read, pa, 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 without. The, everything is going to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. You know the rhythm, but you're uncoordinated. Yeah. I so absolutely, cool. yeah. I love that because, uh, like, I've spent so long. I've done Jojo Mayer's hands, uh, Secret Weapons for the Modern Drummer, the hands and feet one. The That's foot one changed my life because I went from playing in all the time because I, I was never taught any different. Yeah. And now I only play out because I because now you have an option of playing either in or out. You can do both, you know. And so I, you you probably came a monster now because I I got those two DVDs and I watched for two minutes. It was too hard. I just quit. <laughs> <laughs> I never went into it. Yeah, I just love it because it's like the analogy that I use in my head is like you know you get given a car at the start of at the start of playing drums or your drumming career or whatever, and you actually have the ability to make that car go go longer, faster, 
you know, the mood, like this more smooth and that, that equates to your technique. So, you know, you have the ability just by learning technique to just do whatever you want. You can improve that car. You could have a Ferrari and you could drive, you know, really fast, really long, whatever, or you could just focus on the wrong things and not really take a, uh, like technique into account and you won't go anywhere for not very long. That's right. That's right. And so the Jojo Mayer stuff was just like mind blowing because I never really thought about it in terms of, you know, where, where are you holding it? Like, which, where's, where's your fulcrum, you know? And then, you know, your fulcrum, your, your hand grips don't have to be the same. If you're in the ride, you might be using French, but then on your left, you might be using German. That's right. So it's like, you start having those conversations with yourself and watching yourself and thinking like, where am I, you know, on the kit? And then, and then I did that and I do, I review it once a year. And now I do the same with my feet and I'll never look back. The foot technique thing was like mind blowing, you know? That's right. That's right. And so I'm so glad you touched upon technique being the foundation of teaching. Yeah, you know, it's like it's going to affect your sound and everything. You know, it's going to affect everything. And, ba you know, rudiments, you know, if, 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 if taught correctly, rudiment can help with so many things. Yeah. Plus also the systems, right? What I love about your teaching is you teach the systems so that you can construct, you can construct them yourself. You don't have to memorize those patterns, right? Yeah, you have to thank Gary Shafee and Alan Dawson. They, those are two big, you know, I learned a lot from them because, especially Alan's, because he had those building blocks, you know, everything was connected. You learned the 26 American rudiments, you learned the Swiss, you learned the innovation chop building, and then you got the ritual. Yeah. You learn the the eight way coordination, then you had these those drills, you know. Yeah. But you gotta check out the ultimate hand workshop. I will. How we are doing that orchestrating the whole thing on the set is really exciting stuff. I definitely will. We'll have a conversation after the podcast because I would love to um, get your thoughts on some life coaching things. So we'll definitely talk after the yeah. podcast about those. Uh, but what in student, when students are auditioning for Berkeley, I'm sure you've auditioned a lot of students and what, what, what are sorts of qualities are you looking for in those, in those drummers? Well, the, there is different auditions. Okay. There is the entering audition, which is to see if you're going to be accepted for the college. And then once you accept and, and then we check like your snare reading, we check chart reading, we take a look at basic styles, nothing, you know, we're just trying to figure out who this person is. And we ask that you bring a prepared piece. Right. And they, and then if you get accepted, then there is a placement audition that you went through at five week. Like, where is this guy yeah. at? Right. And then what we look for on a prepared piece is for you to be yourself. Show us who you are. A lot of people fall in this trap that they want to play jazz for us because the tradition of jazz at Berkeley. But we don't want to do that. If you're a rock guy, if you're good at that, rock out. If you're jazz guys, play jazz. If you're a lot, play what play what you love and let us know what that is. But both the entering audition, especially the placement audition, is really based on how well we think you'd be playing a band. Right, 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 right. He's a big thing that people don't understand how a lot of people think at Berkeley. I can't 
speak for the whole college, you know, because every professor is different. But the the placement audition and ensemble audition is based on because you can have you can have a student that spent three months learning a dream theater song, and he rehearsed and he's going there. He's gonna go. You know, very challenging, amazing. And then you ask them to play some really simple. They can't play it. They can't read. They don't know the styles. So that individual gonna have a high grade on the instrumental skills, but then the reading slow, the style slow, rhythm accuracy slow. So he really, although he played that song high level, he's really not a good musician on a band yet so we put emphasis on not how well you prepare something but how well can you play with a band right now that you never played you know i'm coming from a generation that i was a, a session musician which that profession doesn't exist anymore yeah like i made a living playing drums i was a session guy so i had to play afro-cuban brazilian funk rock big band jazz i did a lot of stuff for hbo Sony Liston documentary, Malcolm X documentary with Kamala Kimball, uh, producer, jingles, big, ba I mean, I played a lot of stuff with people that I never saw before. How you do that? Like Vinnie Colaiuri is a great example of that. Yeah. In order for you to be able to walk in, we play with any band, you have to read, you have to have a vast knowledge of Brazilian styles, Afro-Cuban styles, New Orleans style, pop rock. And when I say pop rock, it means early swing, rock and roll, blue shuffles, halftime shuffle, the stuff I teach in my pop rock class. Hip hop shuffle, 12-8 shuffles, eight note grooves, rock ballad, cross stick, funk, reggae grooves, funk grooves, country new western grooves, funk, you name it. You have to know all that stuff and play somewhat with authority. Brazilian styles, Bossa Nova, Samba, Partido Alto, Bayon, Maracatu, you know, Afro-Cuban, 6-8, Songo, Mambo, Guauanco, you know, Congo, you know, all that stuff. Because you don't know what they're going to ask you to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's actually an interesting topic because my drum set is kind of the same for 30 years. Like, my drum set is not a jazz drum, it's not a rock drum. It has cowbells. Because I don't know if I need to play light. It has a double pedal. I'm not a trash metal player, but I can play <laughs> if I needed to. Yeah. And now I can play jazz. It's like an all-around approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a lot of guys, in order to be able to be on a position that you can, like, you probably have to play quite a bit of different things, I'm assuming, on a cruise ship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... If you get a guy that's, I'm a rock guy, or I'm a heavy metal guy, you're not going to work as much. You know? Yeah, yeah. So you're looking for students who are massively adaptable then? We, 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 we are not looking for students. We're trying to help students to accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. Right, right. With the responsibility that they can understand, they need to understand the consequences of their choices. I'll give you an example. I'm teaching this heavy metal guy private lessons. And at that level, I think it's level three that has a lot of brushes on the final exam. You need to learn ballad, swing, walk, basic brush stuff. And I said, you know, we're going to have to do that stuff. Do you have a pair of brush 
man, I don't have brush. I never played one. I hate brushes. He said, <laughs> I hate brushes. I said, well, we got to, you know, at this level, we're going to have to study some jazz. I said, I hate jazz. <laughs> I love his honesty, you know. Yeah. He hated brushes, hated jazz, all of that. And I had a conversation with him. I said, listen, we're going to practice this enough for you to pass this proficiency. But I want to talk to you about something. And then we, I said, uh, go to lunch with me tomorrow. And we, we met for lunch. And basically, I took him to lunch, but I talked to him about, um, in a nutshell, I was telling him, I was coaching him and counseling him, do whatever you want to do. But understand that when you take a certain path, you're going to work a lot less. Yeah. If you hate Latin, jazz, all that stuff, that's fine. Play what you want to play, but you're going to play a lot less gigs. So sometimes you're going to have to work at FedEx or bagging groceries, or you might have to you know, be a drive a cab sometimes if you have metal bands not working. Why this other guy can't have all those other gigs? Yeah. With music. yeah, 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 yeah. You know? We, we, you know, he he did what he wanted to do. His band also had a lot of profanity on the lyrics, and I said, him, that's fine. You know, you want to have type of lyrics, but you just isolated this whole other customers. The, uh, this entire side of the population is not going to buy your music. I'm not criticizing or judging anyone. I just wanted to understand that. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You feel, you feel, you fear to go punch somebody in the face. You're gonna be arrested. <laughs> you might be in jail. Yeah, right? that's what comes with that. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. My last, the last yeah, time I say what? Yeah, go on. The last time I went to PAS was two or three years ago, and Erica was with me, and I had a chance to go to lunch with a lot of people: Greg Bisonette, Paul Werdicle. Valfredo Hayes, um, who else was there? Um, Cindy Blackman. I mean, a, a lot of great drummers. And I'm always thinking about my students everywhere I go, right? And I ask all those guys, hey, little, send a little message to my students. What What is your advice for my students? Because those guys are the top guys. Yeah. And, you know, once in a while there's different things, but one in common theme was uh everybody was saying learn as much styles as you can because it's getting tough out here you know you gotta you, you gotta play like everything yeah you, you know so basically that one thing that kept like repeating itself yeah know? so that would that be your advice as well we worked it worked for me i mean i couldn't when i got the gig at berkeley um I couldn't believe I got this gig, man, because, you know, the drummer from The Voice, he auditioned. Uh, he didn't get the gig. Uh, yeah, he he auditioned. I got the gig. The drummer of Billy Joe auditioned, I heard, and he didn't get the gig. The drummer of Joe McLaughlin auditioned. He didn't get the gig, <laughs> you know? So when I got the gig, I was like, what the hell, you know? It's like... <laughs> God is amazing, right? God's so then I show up to work, you know, and they said, Hey, we don't care about if you're famous. We care about can you teach Brazilian Afro Cuban, big band, brushes, double bass, polyrhythm. I mean they stuffed and I said, Oh, that's why I got the gig. Yeah. Right? Because if this is funny, like I'm gonna share something with you that's very private that goes on my head sometimes. Yes, you know? please. 
you know stuff that goes in your head but you yeah. really don't want to say it right <laughs> I, i'm thinking as a joke i want to put a job offer for my school yeah the drum set coach academy is looking for a full-time teacher position requirements have to have two black belts two degrees including a master's degree at least 20 years of college teaching experience <laughs> must have written at least 10 book with major publishing companies and the books must be adapted in a major university area of expertise orchestral playing must have played on a professional orchestra for 10 years <laughs> have to have military rudimental expertise have to be played on a military band for 10 years or more have to be an expert on brazilian music must have played with brazilian pop artists and afro-cuban pop artists have to have studio experience have to be a, have a record of an employment for 20 years with the last 10 years making us uh you know a six-figure salary so that means that you're not a pay handling on the street have to be bilingual okay and we prefer that you have a family so you understand kids yeah i mean i can go on and on and on you're not gonna find anybody <laughs> no, you're not gonna I, find anybody i agree i agree have to have study with that list five masters of all times on the drums <laughs> yeah it's a pretty high bar and have to be currently teaching over 100 students currently to get the job yeah i don't think you would find anyone to be honest it's weird right yeah yeah absolutely but it's such a good endorsement for your business right it's such an incredible i can't i can't i can't say it. i would never say that either. i mean i'm saying i'm talking about you like you are you are your business you're so you are an incredible <laughs> endorsement like if i was in colorado you would want to be taught by you right yeah but people don't know this is the thing i can't say that this i'm yeah. not a marketing guy you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and he and he's the kicker like we started this interview you know there's days i think I'm, i suck you know yeah you know yeah you know? i mean but, yeah but i think it's funny you know like life presented those opportunities and on a serious note you know i was goofing around but on a serious note i bring this to the classroom you know when i'm teaching you about certain things i lived it yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. know like if i'm teaching you rudiments i use that yeah, i know yeah. the reason for that why, yeah. why does rudiment was created do you know yeah well and you and you probably refined a bunch of it right you probably used an old system and then refined it in your own way, which again is like shows expertise in that area. Yeah, I, I saw a guy one time playing a rudimental piece on a fine exam. He's playing really fast. I said, Dave, do you know why rudiment was created? He said, no. I said, do you know why we use rudiments? He said, no. I said, to march soldiers. <laughs> You're playing too fast. Yeah. Or somebody who played too slow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had a, a world-class drummer step into my office. He's a friend of Omahaki. Um, like a legendary drummer. And then, and then he walked in to hang out. I said, hey, yesterday on your clinic, you told students that rudiments are not important. I would stop saying that if I were you. <laughs> because on the old world, 
that not might be I said how many marching bands do you think exist in the United States take a guess I don't know the number <laughs> oh you it's want a lot. To... yeah a lot well, I, I don't have the answer <laughs> how many marching bands is in the United States how many orchestras is on the entire United States including on the school system how many drum corps groups there is in the United States you know blue devils and all that stuff right how many colleges has music program somebody needs to teach rudiments to all these people yeah yeah right yeah another professor told me one time you know everybody's saying because on my office i had a piccolo snare uh a field drum and a regular snare they don't even know why right because they never play in orchestra <laughs> yeah and then this guy he's one of my heroes he told me to, yeah this rudimental thing is cool but you know where are you going to use it he said it <laughs> i said man when i was in the air force i i played snare drum when i was in brazil i played snare drum i played snare drum in in orchestra and i'm making money with rudiments right now yeah. i'm teaching rudiments right I, I i bought a house teaching rudiments yeah, yeah. so i told yeah. him works for me he didn't say anything yeah what do you say to that yeah yeah exactly well, alan, alan doss used to say there's two types of drummers the ones that play rudiments and know they play rudiments and the ones that they play rudiments but they don't know they play rudiments. <laughs> I absolutely love that and I love I just love that you know your your lion and sheep uh, mentality and attitude I think it's so important in today's world of you know like unlimited possibility and just to be be uniquely yourself like being yourself is what makes you different now you know that's right so I, I love think, that yeah I think it's like not only like be yourself because you know you're really influenced by all my mentors but yeah I, if I rephrase it it's like stick to your convictions if you yeah. know if you think this is right be courageous to like what you did on your audition you had to have some sort of courage yeah you know is that was a defining moment for you like do you stick to your guns and to your gut feeling that you believe this is the way to go or you're going to be a ship everybody's going that way yeah and then you're going to just follow them you be you you are lying then yeah you 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 like to, you took a risk yeah 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 absolutely right? yeah because i think the payoff was is i would never be able to live with myself afterwards if i didn't you know what i mean that was my that was my consequence is that i would have to live with that decision you know yeah my wife is my um she she's the one that pushes me because she, she said uh we are christians you know she she really believed that we are supposed to be back here yeah and i she had a conversation with me and i said hold on a minute after 10 years i got i just got promoted i teach at the best music school in the world i'm like very, I, I just got my early promotion and you're telling me that i'm gonna quit all i said to her do you know how many people want this job probably thousands and you're telling me to quit that all that happens. go to colorado springs and open my own school that's the plan yeah and I'm glad we did it, man. It's yeah. it's so it's it's amazing. I can't. I still to this day, every I I teach there every day, every night when I leave my school. Before I shot everything, I knew. I swear, I knew down and I pray and I thank God. I can't. To this day, uh, you know, I I always pray on the way in and the way out. I can't believe it. Still, I can't believe I have my own school. Yeah, because I think hope leads by sight, but faith doesn't, right? 
Yeah, well, that's a whole other conversation. I have a lot of <laughs> God really, uh, I need to write the book of Henrique with all my testimonies. He really changed my life and uh, I have so many signs that he's involved yeah. on, on, on a lot of, but, you know, I, I just think I, I knew Darwin think because, you know, I can die tomorrow. We can lose stuff during the pandemic. We, we, Check this out. During the pandemic, we are more profitable than ever before. <laughs> what the heck? How is that possible? Yeah. You know, we shut down the school, move everybody to, to Skype and Zoom, and we kept going, and we are more profitable during the freaking pandemic. Yeah, it's wild. I, if you told me that, like, and when we left Boston, we didn't know the pandemic was going to happen. Yeah. So it's right on time. <laughs> yeah, it, it worked out for divine timing, right? Yeah. But I would just want to thank you so much. This has been so incredibly energizing and everything that you've said has just resonated so much, um, especially the bits about like credibility and things like that. It certainly helped me again. Thank you, because in 10 years time, I'll probably mess you again and be like, oh, you remember when we had that podcast and now I'm doing X, Y, and Z? That was because, you know, you... Uh -huh. Oh, I hope we I hope we talk more often now. Yeah, no, we definitely will. We definitely will. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, it, it it's like those momentum, those things in your life that happen. You think that guy said this at that point in my life where I really needed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so thank you for that. Um, so, so, yeah. Welcome. It was a pleasure. I, I um I would like to say sometimes I hate watching my podcasts and my interviews with people. Because when I watch, it was like, man, it's so much energy. It's like over the top. I love it. But I think you need that. Oh, you know, absolutely. If yeah. you're going to do what I do, you, you kind of need that. And sometimes it's like, um, you know, if you make a living doing that, it's kind of hard to shut it off. But um, I'm working on this. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to end the podcast there. So thank you very much. One thing that I forgot to mention all the way from the beginning of my career here in 88 to today, one thing that happened, because you say how you do accountability is very important. Yeah. Like if you're on a ship and you say, I want to practice every day for two hours by yourself, you might not be able to do it. But if you find another drum on the ship that you guys are going to practice together, you're probably going to do better with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, if you have a deadline, if you want to say I'm going to do podcast, you're never going to do it. But if you have a deadline, it's Friday. You told everybody's going to be out. <laughs> yeah. Now you do it. <laughs> yeah.